0: Struggle with amplifying me without it creating loads of feedback. Um, So yeah, hi, good morning. It's nice to see you all this morning. Um, My name is Debbie. I work on staff with Gateway, and it's my utter privilege to serve the church. And um, what did I tell you? A bit of feedback because I've got a quiet voice. And Josh, if I need to move it further up to stand. So yeah, so it's my pleasure to come and share with you this morning. And. We are going through a series on Hebrews, so if you have your Bibles and you'd like to have them out, we're looking at chapter 9, verses 11 to 28. And uh, Hebrews, we're discovering, is such a joy because it's all about Jesus. And it's my absolute privilege to share with you just about about Jesus. I can highly recommend him to you. Um, He is the one we've been singing about this morning and what he's done the songs have just come together in terms of what we're talking about this morning. And I tell you, if you want to get into good prayer life, join the prayer meeting before church, because my goodness, it was like a rocket fuel this morning. It was good. And uh, we're just going to worship Jesus this morning as we spend time together looking in his word. And uh, yeah, so it's Hebrews 9, verses 11 to 28. We're not going to read it all. There's quite a lot there, but we will certainly will go through quite a lot of it. And um, the title today is we're looking at Jesus our Redeemer, but the question is why we needed Jesus to die in the first place. Why did we need Jesus to die? It might be a question that you might have experienced from somebody that doesn't know Jesus, going, well, why did someone have to die in order for you to have a relationship with God? And we're going to look at that and explore that this morning as well. And uh, before we get into that, we're talking about needs, our human needs. We have a lot of needs. I don't know about you, but I certainly do. I have a lot of needs. And um, As I trained as an occupational therapist, and in any caring sector really, you'll look at different models and theories and approaches as to how to care for people, because you need to assess their needs and help them work an outcome in order to get treatment or recover or to reach full potential, that sort of thing. And one of these theories that we did when we were training was called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. You might have heard it or not, but basically there's a triangle behind me. Don't take too much of it in, but it's just a theory of working. So it works on the basis that you start at the bottom, and as you fulfill those needs in that section, you move up. And once you get to the top, you reach your full potential. And so, like, of course, we need housing, water, security, belonging. Uh, confidence, esteem, all those sorts of things. And yes, we have many needs. But the thing I struggled with in my training was, and it just, you know, I love I loved the, the concept of being an occupational therapist, but it misses out. Jesus. Like these are all valid needs, these are all things that we need. But the thing that I would change about this model of thinking is I would take that triangle, I'd make a bigger triangle and I'd put it inside that one and the bigger triangle is Jesus. We needed Jesus to die for our sins so that we may have hope and eternity with him. So we're just going to look at why we needed Jesus. Yes, we have a lot of other needs, but the ultimate one that we all have, whether you travel in the world, whatever culture, background, age, whatever you are, your fundamental need will be needing Jesus. So with that in mind, we're going to split it into three things. We needed Jesus to die for our past. All the sins, I'm going to personalise this a little bit because you can think of the things that you've done. The times when I have created other idols, where my phone, technology, smartphone apps, social media, where I have committed them higher than God and I've had to repent of making other idols. Times when I've been uh, jealous and covetous of other people's stuff, that it starts to form bitterness in my heart. Well, why do they get that and I don't, thinking creeps in. I've had to ask forgiveness for that sort of thing. When I've been angry at other people because of what they have done to me, and it started a seed of resentment and hatred. And it's just, we all have stuff, right? We all have baggage. We all have things that weigh us down. It might have been your own actions that have led to sin and hurt and pain. So we needed Jesus for our past. We need Jesus for our today, for our present. We need him in order to be able to live every day. We've been singing spirit, consuming fire, fan into flame a passion for your name so we can live each day in fullness that God has called us to. And we need Jesus for our future, that he has given us an eternal promise that gives us a hope in this life and a one that takes us into the next with him. So we need Jesus in those three things. We're just going to unpick those a little bit as we go through. And feel free to, you know, smile. (laughs) Feel free to say amen. If you feel God stirring something you go, yes, that is true, confirm it in your own heart. It doesn't have to be out loud. But we are reading God's word and it is his truth and it is the authority in our lives. So let's just get into it. Right, so the first one, we needed Jesus to die for our past. So we're going to look into Hebrews at this point in just a second, and we're going to look into Hebrews 9, uh, 11 to 14, to start off with. But before we get into that bit, we've been exploring in Hebrews, and we've heard it mul- mentioned multiple times, like the high priest, the temple, uh, sacrifice, the blood, and it's just I want to make sure we're all on the same playing field as to understanding what those things are, because they're really important. So the first things is, and I'm a bit of a visual learner, so I've got a picture of couple of things, which we'll get into in a second. So I'm going to give you four examples of temples that occur, that are really helpful for us to know about. And when I talk about temple, I talk about God and man residing and being in relationship with each other. That's what we're talking about when talking about temple. So God and man residing together and having relationship. So the first instance of this is in Eden, where Adam and Eve got to walk with the father in relationship day-to-day, what an absolute privilege. But they make a wrong decision, their actions, and it results in them sinning and being cast out of the garden. Why? Because holiness and sin, they don't overlap. They don't meet, they they don't touch. Holiness, purity, and sin can't overlap. So this is why Adam and Eve had to be cast out of the garden. It's a bit like a magnet. You know, when they repel each other, they just can't make contact. So we move on to a bit further down Bible history, and we get the tabernacle tent. God instructs Moses and gives commands and uh, is to create this tent, and God resides in this tent in the Holy of Holies. So we now have another point where God is residing with people. But interestingly, and the same thing that comes up to the temple in Jerusalem, is that, again, several hundred years later, King Solomon builds a temple. And um, yeah, it's got the Holy of Holies, God's residing with man. But the the interesting thing here is around the, the way God's instructed it, is that only the most high priest can go in once a year to make a sacrifice with an animal and his blood on your behalf. Once a year, the holy priest goes in to make a sacrifice on your behalf, on the people's behalf. So that's the, the next step. So when Jesus comes, and we talked about and we sung about him being the most high priest, Jesus talks about himself being the temple. He is the son of God. He is fully man and fully God. And he is the temple that is destroyed and rebuilt in three days in his rising from the grave. So we've got this illustration of the temple and God being with man and how that changed and how Jesus got involved in that. And we're going to explore about how Jesus and what he did fulfills the Old Testament way of doing it. The Old Covenant is the posh way of saying it. And we're just going to explore that a bit more. And it's just remarkable. We needed Jesus to come so that he could die for our sins, die for our past because he is the most high God. He is the high priest, the once and for all, who had the authority greater than that of an animal sacrifice to deal with sin once and for all time. Amen? Amen. It's the truth. The Bible says it. The Bible is the word of God, so we can proclaim it, and we can live it out. And then with that in mind, so just reading through a couple of verses, it says, but when Christ appeared as the high priest, of the good things that have come. He is the high priest that the Old Testament was talking about. A greater and more perfect tent. He is, he is the son of God. We don't need a tent. We don't need a temple anymore. He has become. He entered once and for all into the holy places, not by means of blood of goat and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing eternal redemption. We needed Jesus to come so that we can be set free from our past, our sins, our transgressions, and that we can have healing from pain, hurt. He has the greatest authority, the greatest authority over those things. And it goes on to talk about, uh, for if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer and sanctify for the purification of the flesh, this is the way the Old Testament did it, right? How much more? Will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? He who is the one without blemish, he who is eternal, he who took on our sin, we needed him for our past. And just as I was preparing for this, it it sat heavily with me that it would need to be really clear in our understanding that when you ask for forgiveness of your sins, that they are forgiven and they are forgotten. The Bible talks about like when your sins are forgiven and forgotten, it's like God's put them behind him and he no longer sees them. It talks about it being your sins, the heavy things that you carry, the things you have done wrong or people have done to you. He takes them off you, puts them in our own backpack and takes them as far as the east is from the west. You are free. You don't need to carry them anymore. It talks about them being put into the deepest depths of the sea. <laughs> and uh, as Cory Ten Boom said, and there is a no fishing sign in it. If you are still fishing for your past sins and you are recalling them and beating yourself up about them and holding yourself under a weight because of them, let me tell you, God isn't. He has forgiven you, he has forgotten, and he would like to be in relationship with you in a way that you can live freely. He has forgotten your past. If you've repented it, he's forgotten it. It's not a joke, it's not a one-trick wonder, it's not something that he'll do once but not the next time, he's not inconsistent. It is forgotten. It is forgotten. His Bible, word tells us so. So I just want to pray for anybody that is holding on to stuff, basically, right now. Like, let's take the moment. So if you want to just close your eyes, if there is anything that you are holding on to, yeah, Father, we just want to come before you, knowing that you are the great high priest, that you have died for our past, that when we come before you and repent of things, that you say you forgive us and you make us white as snow, that those things are forgotten, they're no longer seen, because Jesus of what you have done. And Father, I just pray that you would help us grasp the truth of that, that we may not live under their own con- our own condemnation, our own guilt. Yes, Jesus, come and speak to us. Reveal your truth to us, we pray. Amen. So with that in mind, with that in mind, we need Jesus for our today. He has freed us from our past. Hallelujah. And he, we needed him to die for our today. He is your rescuer. I don't know. So I watch a program called Bondi Rescue, Australian lifeguards. Um, and the program is basically uh, just what they do and how they do it. And they will sit up in their tower looking out with box- binoculars over the whole beach, which is absolutely round, and looking for people that are going to get in trouble, are in trouble, or in desperate need of help. And they grab their board and they run out. And they go and rescue the person. They offer their hand out to the person to be rescued. Highly recommend a bit, the program, if you're interested. Um, and Jesus has rescued us. So my, my appeal to you, if you do not know Jesus, he has done the rescue and he has put out his hand to you to say, you are forgiven and free, come follow me. And it is our choice daily to follow him. He is your redeemer. Not only has he rescued you, he has put you in a better position than where you were beforehand. You no longer have to carry your sins. You now have a partner to do life daily with and to flourish in. He is your redeemer. It's just the most wonderful truth. And he is your mediator. It's just the old covenant, the way of doing things with the high priest in the temple, in the most holy place. Getting the animal and the sacrifice once a year on the behalf of the people has been fulfilled. It's been fulfilled in what Jesus did. We read in Hebrews 915 to 23. Therefore, the mediator of a new covenant. He is the mediator of a new covenant. So that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred that redeems, redeems them from transgressions committed under the first covenant. Things have changed. Amazing, You're no longer we don't require somebody to go to a temple on our behalf once a year. We have Christ who we can approach ourselves and ask for that forgiveness. It then goes on to talk about a will, just as an example, and how a will uh, is only effective based on someone's death. And the irony is that I've been writing a will recently. <laughs> it's not fun particularly. I'm and, and about to buy a house, so I thought, well, I better get my things in order and. Um, So I've got this bit of paper that has my instructions on for when I die and is useless all the whilst I'm alive. It's a very bizarre thing to have because I'm like, where do I store it? I know it's important, but it's really not important right now. And it's the same here in that the old covenant and the way God instructed it was for the sacrifice and the blood of an animal in order to atone for people's sins. So Jesus also had to die. To give his blood, the greater blood, than any animal for our sins, so that we might live today. So he then goes on to say after that, For when every commandment of the law has been declared by Moses to all the people, it then goes through the processes which he would do, uh, these things as God had commanded. He indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified by blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So why did we need Jesus to die? to shed his blood because it's a greater authority than that of an animal's. And it defeats all sin for all time, at any point that you need to ask for forgiveness for something. Amazing. So it said, Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves will be better sacrifices than these. So the wonderful thing now is, through what Jesus has done, we needed him to die for our today. So that we can live in relationship with him and the Father. That separation is no longer there if you're in Christ Jesus. We become the temple that the Holy Spirit resides in. Is that not mind-blowing? That God lives inside you. When you accept Christ as your saviour, there is an exchange. And he goes, I'll take all your rubbish and I'll live inside you. Just Phenomenal. You can tell I've really enjoyed my preparation for this because it's just mind-blowing. And I really hope that you take something away of just the mind-blowing goodness of God, as that song says. You know, 1 Corinthians says, the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. 1 Corinthians 3, you are a temple and that the Spirit of God dwells in you and for you every day. You get to experience the love of God and you get to give it away every day wherever you go you get to take the presence of god with you don't have to wait for a tent <laughs> don't have to visit a tent it's just remarkable and don't let not be let's not deceive ourselves life doesn't magically become easy because you know jesus it will be hard sometimes work will be really difficult you might have a difficult manager you might find the relationships break down you experience grief hurt, anger, you know, all these things. It doesn't mean that life is going to be easy, And the Bible says that. Why? Because of the fall when Adam and Eve made the wrong choice. But Jesus says, I am with you today. I am with you today. And you can have hope and confidence in your day-to-day because I will give you what you need. Maslow's hierarchy of needs is great, but Jesus is better. So... Knowing that we needed Jesus also to die for our future, I feel like this is like the good punchline to any any story. We needed Jesus to die for our futures, living temples with an eternal promise and a hope to share. Not only our your future, other people's future. We needed Him to die for the future. He is our Redeemer. He has made a promise to us. Do you believe His promise? is do we trust him? Trust is a really hard thing, right? Especially when it's been broken in different things. I can totally trust God in some things, but in other areas, I'm like, I'm not so sure about. Do we trust him with your future? When he says that he is coming again, do you believe him? I can trust him with the fact that when I die, and my will takes effect, and unfortunately the people left behind will have to work it out, that I will be having the most wonderful time living with my father... And Jesus and being on the next adventure. Like, just amazing. And when Jesus comes again, if I don't die and he comes again, even better. We don't know when that is. We might try our best to predict it. But that's Jesus' concern as to when he comes again. And it's just phenomenal. So Hebrews 24 and 28 to 28, just to sort of round things off. For Christ entered not into the holy places made with hands which are copies of true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Drop the mic moment, that is, <laughs> if you, you know that sort of thing. And you go, it just mentions about the old ways of doing things um, back in the old covenant. And then it gets to verse 28, and it says, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting for him. We are forgiven. We are free today. And we have an eternal hope and promise and assurance. This remarkable story of what Jesus has done and why we needed him to die for us. So Jesus died for our past. You no longer have to hold on to your sins. He's forgotten them. He died for our present, so that we might live a life in relationship with him to be able to experience his joy, his peace, his comfort, his healing, his just wonderfulness in our very everyday. And he died for our future and he gives us an eternal promise. This life's adventure is great, but I cannot wait for the next one with him in eternity. There is a song that says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Even all the hard stuff, it will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And now I've had a prop up here for a little while. Debbie, you've not mentioned it at all, why is it there? And if you can't see it around here, let me just do that. Just says, let the adventure begin on it. I was given it a long time ago. And Jesus died for us so that we might have life, and life to the full. don't have to live in bitterness, anger, disappointment, grief. You don't have to stay in those places because he will bring you up and out. So why don't, as we reflect on who Jesus is and what he's done for us, my question, almost as maybe Jesus was asking you, will you let the adventure begin with him again today? If you don't know him at all, can I encourage you, come find me, talk to someone. Because I'd love to share way more about Jesus with you and what he's done for you and the life you can have. But if you do know him, today's an adventure with Christ. Yes? Yes. That you woke up this morning and God breathed in you life for today. To do things in his fullness. He has given you gifts. Are you asking him? Father, teach me patience, kindness, joy, all these things. Why? So we can give them away. As a church, we value the culture of generosity and the presence of God. When you go to your workplace, when you go to a home, are you giving away God's love? What you have received freely, do you give it away freely? Do you give people God's joy rather than despondency? Are you giving away his hope? rather than uncertainty. Let the adventure begin with Jesus. So, that's me done. Thank you, guys. And pursue Jesus this week, is all I'd say.